Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Well, welcome, King's Church. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are today. I just want to encourage you, and I hope that you're encouraged as you've worshipped, but hey, it's so good. Uh, to join together, whether you're at your home with your family or by yourself with your phone, in your car, at your cottage, or maybe you're at a watch party today or in some other venue. So glad you've joined us. And I just believe it's so important that we are diligent and consistent in getting a word every week at very least. The Bible tells us that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And I believe that if we can just keep this going together and connecting, that this will actually keep us together in this time where we're apart. And so not just as a church family, but together as individuals. These are hard times, and we need the Word of God to get us through and to lead us through these times. If you have a Bible, I'm going to get you to turn to Luke chapter 24. And we're going to leap off of a concept, a picture of the disciples moving backwards in a time where they should be moving forward and moving on. Look at it, what it says in, in Luke 24. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they'd prepared and they went to the tomb. So what we have is a few disciples, a few women, going to the tomb where Jesus was laid. They'd just gone through a traumatic event where their whole world was turned upside down. These disciples thought that Jesus was the Messiah and that he was going to change everything. And then all of a sudden, they see their... their would-be savior dying on a cross and they didn't realize that's how he was saving things and changing things and they saw everything they were believing for just burst and go away and now they don't know what to do it was a time of time of disruption and change and difficulty and we find in this time of difficulty they're not moving forward but in fact they're going back to where they last saw Jesus to where life last was they head to the tomb and look what happens when they got there they found the stone rolled away from the tomb And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down. They bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, this is the question I believe the word is asking us, I believe God is asking us today. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you looking in this tomb, in this dead place, in this little hole dug out in the side of a hill? Why are you looking in this place where life last was, but it's not here anymore? Life has moved out and moved on and moved forward. Look what he says. He's not here. He's risen. He's moved on. Life has gone on. Something new had happened and something had taken place in the life of Jesus and through what he'd done and the disciples were just trying to figure it out and they find themselves, we find them in this passage looking back when they should be moving on. You ever found one of the hardest things in life is this moving on? You ever find that change itself in these times of disruption, these moments of uncertainty like we're in right now in 2020, that we're prone to kind of hang on in the time where we should be moving on? This is what the disciples were going through. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're like the last person in 2020 who would still say change and disruption aren't hard. I don't find moving on hard at all. I would press back and say, well, change hasn't come and knocked at your door on something you really value yet. It just hasn't, hasn't asked to change the thing that you are comfortable with just yet. But most of us, you know, if you live long enough, one of the hardest things in life 
to do is move on, especially in times of trial and transition and disruption. This idea of moving forward. Why is change so hard? You ever ask that question? Like, why is it so difficult? I'm becoming increasingly convinced that change and transition in life is the hardest thing for us to do. And yet, simultaneously, I'm becoming convinced that change and transition is the only way, moving is the only way that we can flourish and live. It's kind of a conundrum. It's a bit of a, a paradox that life requires movement and yet we struggle to keep moving. You ever found that to be true? Think about your life. Think about your relationships. Think about your body. Think about the natural world. Life requires movement. If your heart stops moving, you stop moving. If your blood stops moving, we stop moving. If our cells stop moving, we stop living. Life requires movement, not just physiologically, relationally. If a relationship stops moving forward, if you, you hit a roadblock, you hit a wall, what happens? It can stagnate, dissipate, and die. Life requires movement. Living things have to move. To live requires the ability to move forward. We're made to move. Life keeps moving whether we like it or not. And here's the difficult thing. If life is so necessary, why is it so difficult? If movement for life is so necessary, why is it so very difficult? Why is it so hard and seemingly unnatural to us when it's the most natural thing for us to keep living. If you're like me, there is a huge natural impulse in you, especially like in a year like 2020, that tells us that life is found in holding on, not in moving on. That I need to hold on to my opinions. I need to hold on to my options. I need to hold on to my stuff. I need to hold on to my money, whatever it is. And, and it, yet everything in the world, everything in the word tells us that life is found in moving on. One of the things I did uh, over the quarantine with my kids, because I'm a good, good father, it's who I am, I, I sat down with my two older kids and took them through the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy. We watched the movies. We didn't have time to, to go through the whole books. Well, we probably did, but we're getting, we'll start them with the movies. And, you know, I believe that the word tells us raise up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. So I wanted them to, 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 to enjoy these stories that I so enjoy. Now, if you don't know what The Hobbit is, if you're like my wife who, who just doesn't have time for wizards and orcs and elves and dwarves, okay, I realize how nerdy that sounds when I'm saying it like this, but just go with me. It's a great story, I promise you. It's a story set in this kind of fa fantasy world. It is kind of funny when you see the guy with the hat. But it is a, it's an incredible story. It's a work of art. It's, it's absolutely a work of art. And we, we, we know that, that art imitates life. And this work of art does an incredible job of that. It's the story of life and how life is found in the ability to let go and move on. And that death comes through holding on and hoarding. And it's this contrast. We find at the start of the story... This guy, he's a, he's a hobbit. He's this short man named Bilbo Baggins who lives in a hole in the ground in the side of a hill in his comfy, cozy little life where he has everything just nice, neat, and tidy and just so. And then one day, change comes and knocks at his door and it's Gandalf the Grey. And he comes and he tells Bilbo, there's a great adventure. I have need of a burglar. And he comes to him and change comes knocking at his door and all of a sudden, disruption comes to the Shire. Disruption comes to Bilbo's life and he's faced with a choice. 
in times of transition? Do I hold on or do I move on? And he decides to move on and step out into this new life. And we find the great contrast and conflict of little Bilbo and the great dragon Smog, who's also living in a mountain called the Lonely Mountain, where he's there lonely with all of his hoarded treasure and he's holding on to what's his. And it's this amazing allegory of life and how life is found not in an abundance of things, as Jesus says, but it's actually found moving forward, letting go and moving on. It illustrates this principle of life and the all too human tendency to hold on when life is found in moving on. It shows that we all fight the proclivity to be hoarders. What's a hoarder? A hoarder is one of those people that just can't let go of things, right? You ever see the show Hoarders on TLC? My wife likes to watch that show. I, I get kind of grossed out by it, just seeing clutter. I don't like clutter. I don't like junk. But, but it's this show where these people, they can't let go of objects. They, they just stash stuff in their homes until literally it's piles of junk everywhere. It's really quite troubling to watch. But I, I used to kind of judge and poke fun at my wife for watching it, but she sort of helped change my perspective a little bit and see the humanity in these people and the reality is she said one time you know I can identify with that now our house doesn't look like that just for the record we aren't hoarders but she says I know the feeling of like if I let that go then I'm letting part of myself go that if I lose that I'm losing me and 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 here's the reality as I think about this some of us okay maybe you don't hoard objects but maybe you do hoard opinions Maybe you hoard the opinion of other people and that's why you obsess about Instagramming just that right picture at that right angle and you do the, you know, that thing and you make sure that you get those little likes and you hoard those things. Or maybe you're like me. I I don't hoard those things. I don't hoard objects. You know what I do? Hoard options. I hoard options. I love having control. I love having a plan. And what I despise most is when change comes and knocks at my door and says, hey, new plan. Ah, You see, all of us have a tendency to hoard. It's all too human. All of us struggle with it. All of us struggle to to let go. That's why some of us struggle with, with unforgiveness and you can't let go of that person who hurt you. You know why? Because you feel that if you let go of that, they're getting away with it. We all struggle to let go and move on. And the Bible tells us, the Bible illustrates this reality of the human tendency to hold on when we need to move on. This is what's happening in Luke 24 when we find the disciples coming back to the tomb, looking where Jesus last was, repeating the past, recycling and rehearsing what they always knew. And now we find a new thing has happened. Why? Because God is a God of new. God does new things. And we find in the scripture over and over, that God is constantly moving and flowing and going and calling us to come after him where the life is. You find it in Genesis. If we had time, we'd go look at how the creation accounts, this beautiful poem of how God, where there was nothing, the spirit of God was moving and hovering over the, the chaos and he spoke and life came into motion. The earth is in motion. The cosmos is in motion. Life is in motion. You find the story of the Old Testament, the ups and downs where, where the Egyptians try to slave and enslave and stop a whole people. What does God do? He liberates them and sets them free. God is the God of motion and movement. And we find it culminating in Jesus, the great liberator of all humanity, setting us free from slavery and sin and death that tries to entrap us in the horde of our stuff and the horde of our circumstances. And Jesus comes and says, follow me. 
Come to me, all ye who are weary, and I'll give you life. I'll I'll give you rest. I'm going to set you free. That's who Jesus is. He invites us to follow him unto life. And he shows us. And look, in Matthew 16, look what he says. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. If 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 you're like Bilbo... If you're like smog and you, you want to just cling to your stuff in the hole in the ground, if you're, you're like the disciples looking to where life last was or trying to hold on to your life, if you try to hold on to it, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life, if you'll let go and you'll step out and you'll follow me for my sake, you'll save it. You'll find it. You will find life. Life is found in Jesus, and Jesus is a God of movement. He's moving. He's going. He's flowing, and that's what we're called to do. And this is why it's such an incredible contrast when we see the disciples showing up at the tomb asking, where's Jesus? And the the angel saying, he's not here. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you still trying to hang on to that old memory? This king is not a memory. He's alive. He's moving. Our tendency in life, and I hope you get this from this whole long introduction, our tendency in life is to hold on when life itself is found in moving on. And I believe that in 2020, this has been a true time of disruption, a true time of challenge. The change has come knocking at the door, hasn't it? It's been knocking January, February, March, April, May, June. Now we're in July. It just keeps knocking. Change is knocking. And the question is, how are we going to deal with it? What are you doing with change? Are you hoarding and holding on or are you letting go and moving on? That's the question. And here's the question I want to ask. How do we keep moving on when change is knocking? How do we move on? What do we do when disruption knocks? Like for the church, I've been thinking about this as a pastor. Disruption has knocked our plans. Disruption is knocking on the door. 2020 has messed some things up. And the question is, do I and do we as King's Church and as the global church, do we go back to where life once was? Do we go back to the tomb? Do we go back to where he was looking for life in the land of the dead? Looking for what is living, where, where death is found? Do we, do we go back or do we move on into what is new. Maybe for you, you're asking that question about your life. How do I move on when my business is being shut down? How do I move on when my retirement is gone? How do I move on when, I, when everything in you wants to hold on? Maybe for you, you were struggling with this long before 2020 showed up. You, you've been struggling since the moment your loved one died. You haven't been able to let go. You haven't been able to clean out their closet. You haven't been able to step forward out of that moment. You just keep holding on because you believe if you move on and you let go that you lose them. But what if I told you that God calls us to move on and he calls us to move on for life? I want to just really quickly, if, if you're like me today, and just full disclosures, we're together online. I'll just say this, that I have been struggling at times in this year, this 2020 year, to hold on to my plans and to hold on to the things that I've come to know and enjoy about the rhythms of my life. And they've been kind of ripped out of my hands. And the question I believe God is asking us is, as as change has knocked on our door, are you going to kind of bury yourself in that hole in the ground, in that tomb? Are you going to let go and step out and embrace wherever God leads us? Because I believe life is found where he's leading. And the question is, will we follow? And here's the other question. Here's what I want to, really want to answer today, really quickly. Just three practical steps I want to give you. Three steps to get moving. The first three steps that are going to help you let go and step out of the shire. 
Step out of the tomb. Step out of the past. Step out of your hurts. Step out of your habits and your hangups or that thing that you can't seem to get past. I got three steps. The first three steps are the hardest and I got three for you. And so here they are. I want you to write them down, take notes. And I believe these three steps are going to help you in whatever season of transition you're going to face. Here's the first one. Step one in moving on is this. We move on theologically. We move on theologically. We have to embrace a gospel perspective, a gospel way of thinking. What is theo- the, uh, like theo- theology? What is it? Theology is the study of God. Theo means God and logic means what? Thinking. It means, it means framework. It means how, how we're thinking. And the way that we move forward is by thinking with the mind of Christ, thinking about what is true in the word. And this is how we move forward. The first step in moving on happens in our minds. This is so important. Moving begins with how we think. Maybe I'll say it differently. You didn't get stuck in your doing. You got stuck in your thinking. The way that we get stuck in the past, the way that we get stuck in a habit, the way we get stuck in addictions. What's an addiction? An an addict is also a hoarder. The way we get stuck doesn't begin in our physiology. It doesn't begin in our activity. It actually begins in our thinking. It begins in our mindset. And the way that we begin moving forward, it has to begin right here in how we're thinking. Moving forward begins with a grasp of the gospel. You cannot follow Jesus and not move on. It's impossible to follow Jesus and to stay stuck because he's moving forward. This is why Jesus said you can't serve two masters. He said you can only serve God or mammon. Mammon is stuff. You can't, you can't follow a moving God in Jesus and stay hoarding stuff. You can't do it. If you, you cannot follow Jesus and not be moving. This is why Jesus' invitation was the kingdom of God is at hand. It's moving. It's in me. Now follow me. Let's go. This is why Jesus one time, there was a disciple. It sounds so harsh. There was a disciple that came to Jesus one time and said, can I be your disciple? And Jesus said, yeah, sure, come follow me. And then he said, but first let me go and bury my father who's passed away. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He said, he who sets his hand to the plow and turns back is not fit to follow me. What's he getting at? He's saying, my kingdom is moving forward. You, You have no business in the past. You have no business back there. You need to be moving forward. He, he one time said, what does it profit a man if you gain the whole world? You, you could accumulate smog's treasure inside of the lonely mountain. You could accumulate all the money of Jeff Bezos. But he says, what does it profit you if you have all that stuff and you die with it, forfeiting your soul? This is why he said, store up treasure in heaven. Think forward, move forward. Moving forward begins with the grasp of the gospel. And Jesus comes, the gospel comes and confronts and liberates us from the insanity and the scarcity that drives our resistance to embrace change. He comes and does that through the gospel. The gospel, I'll say it like this. The gospel of Jesus sets us free from living in the past. It sets us free from hoarding our stuff. Because, here's why, the gospel declares that the best is still yet to come. 
The gospel declares that as I follow Jesus, good things. It's the Psalm 23 that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's what the gospel says. It's the announcement. If you missed our series, I'd encourage you to go back and see the weeks we spent declaring and defining what the gospel is. But in a nutshell, it's this. It's the good news. It's the announcement that God, through Jesus Christ, is reconciling and redeeming and recreating all things. That's the good news of the gospel. It's the message that life is swallowing up death, that in Jesus, new creation is beginning and unfolding. And if you believe that, if you believe the gospel, it means that Jesus has conquered death and is moving forward and new creation is taking over. That's the gospel. Do you see how that flies in the face of hoarding mentality? of hanging on. How can you hang on to what's dead when God is launching the kingdom of the living? Why do you look for the living among the dead? The gospel promises us that what's before us is better and better and better. This is why Jesus is the first fruits of the new creation. New creation is taking over. More life is coming. This is this kingdom takeover called the gospel. This is our hope. Believing in the gospel of Jesus, get this today, It sets us free from scarcity. It sets us free from control. It sets us free from hoarding, from having an inability to move forward. You can let go and move on. Why? Because the gospel says the best is yet to come. Say amen in the chat if you believe it. If you can't move on, here's the facts. If you and I are struggling to move on, which I'll I'll admit I have had my moments in the last six months. If you are struggling to move on, It means that you're more confident in entropy than you are in the gospel. What is entropy? Entropy entropy is a a scientific term. It's actually the the second law of thermodynamics. We're getting super nerdy today. Don't even try to stop me. We're going full Hobbit, full Lord of the Rings, full token, full thermodynamics. I'm, I'm, I'm a wild man. Here we go. No, the second law of thermodynamics. Think about this for a minute. The second law of thermodynamics is this. It's this, this, this idea of entropy, that, that it's the gradual growth of disorder. It's the idea that things go from order to chaos, that things will dissipate and, and they will start to, to fragment and fracture. Entropy is how, you know, uh, your body will, when the day you die, your cells will kind of dissipate and you will decompose and go into the ground. That's entropy. Entropy is the increase of dissipation, the increase of chaos. That's what entropy is. And, and very much so in the, this fallen world that we live in, entropy is the real deal. It's the real thing. There's going to be a moment, unless Jesus returns that, uh, you know, this body dies and decomposes in the ground. Fun thoughts today, right? But now get this. The resurrection flies in the face of entropy. It's the first law of the resurrection that overrides the second law of thermodynamics that says, I am doing a new thing. New creation is bursting forth that there is order coming from the chaos. That's the gospel. Now, I know I'm getting real nerdy here, but you need to get this because it it really confronts the reasons why we are prone to holding on. If you're prone to holding on, it believes that you're just hanging on to your life every last moment that you can. But if you really believe that Jesus is risen and new creation is happening, then why are you holding on to that? Why do you look for the living among the dead? This is what Paul was getting at in Romans 8. Look what he says. It's so exciting when you think about it in these terms. Think about entropy and then think about new creation. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 
For the creation waits in eager expectation. It groans for the children of God to be revealed. The creation was subject, subjected to frustration. There's, there's entropy. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in the hope that creation itself will be liberated from entropy, liberated from disintegration, liberated from destruction and dysfunction, liberated from its bondage, stuckness, to decay and brought into the life and say it in the chat freedom movement liberation and the and the glory of the children of God if you can't move on if you're struggling to move on if you can't let go it means you're more confident in the inevitability of entropy than you are of the new creation that is unfolding in Jesus. Letting go is a gospel issue. Do you believe the gospel is good news and that the best is yet to come? If you do, it frees you up to let go. Your ability to change is based on how much grasp you have on the gospel and the hope we have in Jesus. Look, I'll be the first to say, if we don't have the hope in the resurrected Christ, you might as well embrace nihilism and you might as well, like it says, like Paul says, you might as well eat and drink and hoard up and stock up and just do your best to hang on because tomorrow we're all going to die. But we don't believe that. We believe that Jesus rose again, launching new creation, promising us an inheritance. So why am I hanging on to what is yesterday when tomorrow is greater and coming for me? Why do we do that? Your ability to deal with change, to move on, is powered by and rooted in your belief of the gospel. If you believe that the best is yet to come, if I believe that the best is yet to come, that one day my body will be made brand new and will live forever, then I can deal with coronavirus, with vaccine or no vaccine. I can deal with it. Why? Because my hope's not in a vaccine. It's in a new creation. It, it, it frees me up as a business owner to watch that old business go and, and to, to see that dream die. Why? Because I know that that's not the ultimate dream of my life. My dream is God's dream for my life that will go on forever and ever and ever. Maybe for the graduate. I was thinking about graduates, maybe especially you like, you like grade 12 girls who didn't get to have the prom that you always envisioned. And that's sad and that stinks about this year. But here's the deal. If you believe the gospel, it sets you free to realize, look, that's not the last nice dress that I'm ever going to wear. That's not the last nice occasion that I have coming for me. My hope is not in this being the last, but what is before me is greater. Because Jesus is king, because new creation is happening, the best is yet to come. I'll say it to you, the widow, who's dealing with the memory of, their, of your husband who you lost. Look, if Jesus isn't risen, then I would say hang on to those memories. But because Jesus is risen, I would say look forward to what's ahead of you because it's greater. It's greater. I'll say it to the church leader. I'll say it to myself. There's some things I'm really missing right now. But get this. Just because some of the things of church is changing and shifting, the kingdom of God is growing and will not be shaken. The gospel, it frees us up to move forward and move on. You need to check yourself. You need to check your, your, your theology. If you can't move on, it's indicative of the fact that you fundamentally think that there's more behind you than there is ahead of you. That's what makes us stick to the past. That's why we look in the land of the dead instead of the, for what is living where there, there's dead things. That's why we keep going to the hole in the side of the hill and hoarding our stuff. It's because you don't believe the best is yet to come. But the gospel says the best is yet to come. Can I get an amen in the chat? 
Step two. So the first thing is we, we, we begin in the mind, but we've got to keep moving. Step two is also in the mind, but it's not a framework. It's a decision we have to make. We move forward after we move forward theologically, and we set the gospel as our framework that sets us free from hanging on to the past. The second thing we do is we move on intentionally. We have to engage the art of kingdom forgetfulness. What do I mean by that? I'll unpack that. Here's what I know to be true. That it requires a decision before you're actually trusting something. That you can believe in something and not actually be trusting it. I, I can believe something but not actually be trusting it. There's a big difference between belief and trust. Belief and faith. Belief is to agree that something exists. Trust is to lean your weight on it. Trust is to actually place your weight on it. James, the, 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 the brother of Jesus, wrote in his letter, look, don't, don't pat yourself on the back because you believe in Jesus. The demons believe in Jesus. The call is to trust him, to make a decision of trust, to not dwell or focus on the past, but focus on Jesus, to lean into him. And we have to make a decision of trust, to lean into God's kingdom, his word, and his truth. And it has to go beyond just knowing that, he's, that Jesus is risen to trusting, to, to, to focusing on the risen reality of King Jesus. This is what the, the God was saying through Isaiah. This is what the scripture means. It's, it's, about, it's about being intentional with your focus. Look, look, what, look what the prophet said God told him. He said to forget the former things. Just, just stop looking at it. Stop fixating on it. Stop examining it. Stop rehearsing the past. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Let it go. See, I am doing a new thing. See, key word. Look, change your perspective, change your focus, lean in. Look, I'm doing something new. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? Open your eyes. I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm making streams in the wasteland. This is what God is telling us to actually shift our focus, not just from a general belief in Jesus, but an actual meditation on him, a focus on him, a fixation on him. You need to turn your trust Godward. You need to set your expectation toward him. You have to learn to forget the former things. Now, I know some of you are already like, okay, that sounds great. Very poetic, Tolkien. How do you forget something? How do you just forget? I can't just forget what so-and-so did to me. I can't just forget the dream I have for my business. I can't just forget what I lost the last five months. How do I just forget that? Actually, here's some good news. It is very possible to forget. I am a pro at it. Ask my wife. Ask the people who work closest to me. Very, very good. I'm very, very well equipped at forgetting. And here's, here's how you forget. You forget not by not paying attention. You actually forget by paying attention. Hey, stay with me. You forget by paying attention to something else. See, I don't forget people's names because I just don't care. It's that I only have so much room for so many names in this little brain. I only have so much RAM up here. And I noticed about like seven years ago, I hit my max. I mean, when this church started growing, I hit my max of names. And it's like I, I get a new name and one name goes out. And I get a new thing and something goes out. There's only so much memory up in my mind. And I've noticed this to be true in my life. And, and here's the principle I want you to understand. It's possible to replace old memories with new memories. It's actually possible to forget the former thoughts, not by just, okay, I'm going to forget. You don't do that. You forget the former things by focusing on the new things. 
when the new thing that comes in is greater than the old thing, it pushes out the old thing. That's the only way to forget the former things. You can't just snap your fingers and forget. The way that you forget, I wish there was an empty trash button for my mind, but there's not. The only way I've found out to empty the trash is by putting in new stuff. And this is true for your life. And here's the deal. I know some of you, you have some huge things in your mind to get over. Here's the deal. The gospel's big enough to push it out. The gospel of Jesus, the hope we have in Jesus, the things that we have in heaven, in the heavenly realities, the reality of the kingdom is big enough to push out the former things. The, re, the, the, the call is for us to fixate and focus our minds on what is better. This is why Paul says, don't fix, your th- don't fix your eyes on what is seen, but fix your eyes on what is not seen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. It says in 2 Corinthians. Look what he says. He says it in uh, Philippians. He, he says this. He says, brothers and sisters, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, look what he says, think about such things. Like actually decide to focus on these things, fixate on these things, meditate on these things, focus on these things. And then he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen or put it into practice. So he says, here's the key. Here's the key. Think about such things. That's what I mean by kingdom forgetfulness. As you think more about what is before you, you begin to let go of what is behind you. The act of forgetting the former things isn't in just saying, okay, I forget now. It's in looking at the things that are springing up. This is what Isaiah is getting at. Forget the former things by seeing what he's doing, seeing the new thing by feeding yourself on the word, meditating on it day and night. That is the invitation of the gospel. That's how we forget. It's filling this memory. It's filling this mind with what is true and praiseworthy and wonderful and admirable. That's what he's getting at. He says, think about such things. And then he shifts gears. And this is where we get into my last point. He says, what you've learned or received or heard from me or seen. So let's not just think about it. Look what he says. Put it into practice. He says, do it. And then the God of peace will be with you. And that sets us free to move on. So he says, put it into practice. Here's, here's, here's my last thought. We don't just move on theologically. We don't just move on uh, intentionally. We move on actively. We actually do it. We, we go through the motions. You start moving according to your faith not according to what you're holding on. You start moving on. You move in obedience. You move in anticipation. You move in expectation. That, that's how the kingdom works, that, that as we move, the kingdom comes. It's, I know we want to see the other way around. We want to hoard in the shire, in the hole in the hill, and see the victory happen and then come out, but that's not how it happens. Bilbo had to leave the hole on the, the side of the hill and come out and experience this adventure to get the victory. The same is true. It's an allegory for the kingdom life. That I, I wish it was as simple as God does the miracle and then we move, but that's not how it works. We move and then the miracle happens. Joshua moved around Jericho and the miracle happened where the wall fell. We have to go through the motions of faith. We do it actively. We embrace the act of pressing on. Here's what I know to be true. It is entirely possible to know something, 
to even intend to do something and still not do it. Anybody? I know I'm supposed to eat a certain way. I even bought a gym membership. I just haven't gone yet, right? Real talk. You know, I see it all the time when I go fishing. I call it like the last cast trap. When you go fishing, any, any of my fishermen friends, fishermen's friends, you got one of those today? Anybody who fishes out there, what happens is you're at the end of your fishing day and you got your rod and you're like, okay, it's, it's about time to head out. And you're, you're like, okay, and you say this word, you say, last cast. You pull it back and you send it out. No bite. It's like, all right, last cast. And you can get caught in the last cast. I've, I've been last casting for an hour before. If you fish, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's so hard to actually do the act of moving on. Even though I decided an hour ago I was going to leave, I'm still stuck here doing the last cast. Actually, there's this funny scene in The Lord of the Rings where Bilbo has to give the ring away and he distracts them. And then we, we find out Bilbo that you still have the ring. Please, oh yes, I was going to do that. And he has the hard time actually doing it. And many of us in our lives get caught in this sort of like last cast living. We get stuck holding on to something when we should be moving on from it. You haven't actually moved until you've started moving. You haven't actually moved. You can think that you did. You can know that you want to. You can even envision it. But you actually have to start taking action. Live forward, move forward, press on, walk, go toward the goal. This is what, this is what Paul was getting. I'll, I'll leave us with this scripture and I'll pray in just a second. But Paul said this, he was getting near the end of his life. This great revolutionary man who lived a life of transition, who went from trial to trial, from peak to valley. I mean, talk about a guy who went from uh, a, a life where he had maximum control over everything. He was, he was even trying to control others to where one day on the road to Emmaus, change came knocking at his door, changed his life, called him to a whole different adventure. And he found himself all over the known world at the time. And then he says this, getting near the end of his life, look what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He's talking about, talking about like the, the ultimate goal. But one thing I do is forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on. Notice the language there. It's not, it's not easy language, is it? Yeah, the yoke of Jesus is easy, but the walk, the walk is a grind some days. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. He's focused on what is greater. He's not letting yesterday's victories or losses hold him back from what is coming. He's pressing forward toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is all of us. Here's the challenge for us today. In 2020, when things are changing, when we're tempted to hold on, Paul says, press on. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Maturity, life comes from pressing on, moving on. What are you stuck holding today? It's the question the Lord put on my heart. You know, I've got some things that I've been struggling to let go of, some things that I don't really want to, to, to see go, and yet it seems like change has come and knocked on my door. And I wonder if God is not asking you, hey, you're stuck in the last cast. You need, to, you need to set your mind on things above. 
You need to set your expectation that, that what is coming is greater than anything you have lost or are losing. And you need to move on because whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever leaves their little hole, their cozy hole in the ground on the side of the hill and steps out and follows me will find life. and They'll have it to the full. Here's some questions I'll ask you today and then we'll pray. When you think about your life, you know, am I a hoarder or a hobbit? A hobbit's a, a Bilbo, the, the little man who became this great hero because he was brave enough to, to move on when everyone else was trying to hold on. Am I a hoarder? Am I a hobbit? Am I holding on? Are you holding on to the past that it's locking you in? You can't let go. You can't let go of that space or that place or that thing or that person or whatever it is, that hurt, that habit, that hang up. Or, or are, you, are you finally moving on? Maybe today is a decision to move on, to let go and move on, trusting God. Do I have a gospel perspective? Do, do I believe in entropy? Do I believe the last word of my life is entropy, that this is all, you know, going to dissipate and die? Do I believe that coronavirus is going to get the last word? Do I believe that, that my business dying is going to mark my life and that's going to be it? Or do I believe, do I really believe that when Jesus rose, a new creation project started and I get to follow after him all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? What do you actually believe? Do you believe in entropy or resurrection? New creation, the first law of resurrection. All you nerds out there, you know it's called negentropy. Anyway, do I have a gospel perspective? Number three, what do I need to let go of that's holding me back? What is it? Maybe for some of you, it's not even a person. Maybe it's something you did. It's something that's marking you. You need to let go, let, let go of that. Maybe some of you, it's control. Maybe some of you, it's the plans that you had that are now gone. Whatever it is. I want to invite you today as I pray, maybe even like as you close your eyes and I pray, maybe even just kind of hold your hands out and just even open them up as, a, as an act before God that says, I'm coming out, I'm letting go, I'm moving on. I hear your invitation. I'm not staying back there. I'm not looking, to, I'm not looking for life in the land of the dead. I'm not looking there anymore. I'm moving forward. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know where we're going. I know there's going to be things that I face, but here's the thing. I know you're good, and I know you're going to lead me from glory to ever-increasing glory and strength to strength. So I want to pray for you today, wherever you are. We want to ask God to, to liberate us and to keep us moving even in this challenging year. So Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you that the kingdom of God is moving and growing. It is not being shaken. And that God, even though certain things in our lives might right now have been shaking and moving and changing, Lord, we thank you that what is unseen is greater and that what is seen is only temporary and what is unseen is eternal. So God, I pray for every person here today for all my fellow hoarders. God, I pray you'd help us let go, step out, move on, not try to hold on, but to follow after you and find life in it. To realize that today, because of the gospel of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. We can let go of the past. We can let go of the present even. We can press on to take hold of all that you have for us. So God, I pray for the, the widow who's struggling to, to move on. I pray for the person who's just made so many mistakes for this, that are struggling to move on. 
Lord, I pray for the business owner who's struggling to move on. I pray for the retiree who's watched their, their RSP dwindle up, who's struggling to move on. Lord, for all the ways that we're struggling to move on, the addict who's struggling to move on, Lord, I pray that today we would hear the invitation. We'd hear the word of the angels that says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Move on. Move out. Come out. Step out and move forward. So Father, today we're just, we're just letting go. We're letting go of control. We're letting go of objects. We're letting go of our hoard, of our treasures, of people's opinions. Whatever it is we're hoarding today, we're letting it go. And we're choosing to follow after you, believing, believing, not just in our minds, but in our actions, believing that the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks, church. Love you.